Alrighty, so we're back at Story Matters, and this time I have my co-host with me, Heather. Yeah, I'm here on this one. For Stephen King, today we're on the Stephen King Fan Club podcast again. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I just, it's really weird, but I've been trying to, I've been trying to think about how do I express my feelings for this uh, series, and I, several things it's come difficult. to mind. It is difficult because this is definitely one of the weirdest series I've ever read. So if you're if yeah. you're like the type of reader that you're just tired of the same old fantasy, well, Pick up the Dark Tower. Try the Dark Tower because this is this is just completely out of left field. Right. And um, excuse me. And uh, but but at, you know at times I really am loving it, and other times I'm like, this is really stupid. Like, what the heck? Yeah, and it's <laughs> I just a lot of eyeball rolls by the end of the series. It's, it's a like, roller coaster oh, ride of wow, this is great. Wow, this is stupid. Wow, this is great. Wow, this is stupid. <laughs> I've never, you know, yeah, you know, you know what it brings to mind. Um, did you see the movie Aquaman? Oh God, I did see that stupid. Right. Well, yeah, I did see that trash fire. I mean, like it had a lot of laugh out loud. Like, yeah. You well, know, like the thing about Jason Momoa is he didn't really seem like he took it that seriously. He was just there to have fun. Sure. But like, I don't. I'm not sure it was a serious meant to be a serious movie. <laughs> you know. But here's anyway. the thing, though: if you pay attention to the directing, the way the movie's directed, it's directed really well. Okay, like the action scenes and everything are really great. But the story, basically the story was written by me when I was eight years old. You know, like, like, like if you had uh-huh. told eight-year-old Nick, write the script for Aquaman, you know, that's the, that's the story that I would have written. I would have written that script. And so yeah, I feel like I mean, it was just yeah. ADHD, you know, 12-year-old boy, you, you know, elementary school yeah. boy story. Hand it over to a very competent director. And then the director was <laughs> like, what do I... say about some films. Yeah. We and he... a film that was like just all like balls to the walls and it was just stupid and we were like, oh my God, you know that the guys sitting around the table during this meeting were just all like, and we should have a pew, 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 and there should be like a dinosaur with no, exactly. a on his eyes and then, you know, the unicorn's going to gallop up and yeah. like... Like, it just gets wilder and you know they're just gleefully like having a, a 12-year-old yeah. yeah, there's <laughs> sharks with like laser beams, and there's dinosaurs, and, it, and it's just crazy. And yeah, Cthulhu type guy shows up, and it's just it's just all over the place. And uh, normally, I yeah. mean, I would love that sort of thing, but I think in my forties, I'm just like. Things... Let's play, have you seen the movie Rampage with um? I did know, see. Johnson? I did see that. That was actually really good. And I remember. Like, I remember the video game it was based on. I remember going right, to the arcade yeah. and playing Rampage. So. Uh, yeah, so, I actually thought it was really good. Like I just thought, it, you know, I was like, oh, here's a dumb, you know, rock yeah. movie that we can just looks like, you know, just fun. But it actually ended up being like a solid film. You know, it wasn't yeah. like the best movie ever, but for an action film, it just kind of let itself go and it was like, yeah, we're an action film. We're not going to take ourselves so seriously, but well, like should, the story yeah. was still like there you know it still had some heart it still had a little bit of story going in with yeah, it I and i just love kaiju it. anyway but yeah oh i <laughs> love kaiju yeah like there's something about uh-huh. there's something that that speaks to my very young self when yeah, it's like when yeah. i'm looking at something like it's so big 
You know, that right. still it still just it tickles my fancy. I can't I don't know, I yeah. can't help it. But it's like it's so big. Um <laughs> it's like uh it's like yeah. the Eternals did you see the Eternals movie? Um, I have not seen the yeah. Eternals. So I saw it and that's a very divisive movie and I think half the I people, heard that. Yeah, half the people really hated it and, and the other half really liked it, I think. Huh. And uh, and I went to see it with my wife and, and me and my wife we usually like the same movies like like we usually mm-hmm. share the same opinion but she walked out of that theater she was like that was so stupid like she just did not like eternals and i liked it i really liked it but what i really liked about it, spoiler alert there is a thing called the celestial which is basically like planets are literally like eggs and they're born out of like the planet you know and these oh, okay. guys are huge like th- this guy would like step on Godzilla, you know, like easily. Like this is just a big <laughs> oh dude. My. Yeah, and I'm just like and I don't know like in terms of like the, the storytelling. I'm just like, wow, mm-hmm. that guy's so huge and that that's just what like you know, and I just feel uh, like a little kid yeah, again. Yeah, that's interesting, huh? You know? Yeah, I might have to check that out. Yeah, I feel like a little kid again watching like Star Wars and be like, the Death Star is so big. Wow, how they build that? It's so big, right. you know? But let's talk about Song of Susanna because Song that was like yes. one of the oddest books out in that series that I read. And by the time I was done with it, I was a little put out. I mean, I I think yeah. I headed into the last book immediately mm-hmm. um, yeah. because I would just wanted to kind of rinse the taste of that one mm-hmm. out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was all over the place, and (laughs) I just I mean I guess it's hard to talk about it without getting the spoilers. So I guess I think whoever's listening to this probably doesn't care about spoilers. So let's just get into that. No, I don't Um, think they do. Yeah, I mean you've either you you've either read this book this far. Or, or you're, you're getting yeah. to it or something. but You might care and you might not care. You might be agreeing with us. You yeah. know, I don't really listen to a whole lot of people talk about the Dark Tower series. Um, yeah. I maybe listened to Daniel Green talk about it once, but I can't even remember that. Like, well, now, I, Daniel I have to Green go back has and, like, a video where he said at the end of the Dark Tower that he says, this book broke my brain. But yeah, he said, I think so. But he said in a good way. Well, there's a reason I have a love-hate relationship with yeah, it because yeah. it kind of takes me back to like that childhood sense of adventure and wonder, but you're tempered here by the gruff, you know, wise gunslinger who's been around the block a few times and then you have him. Well, I like you know, that. I mean, I mean, for me, yeah, Roland, I'm not opposed to it. No, yeah, I liked it too. Roland is, like, is one, one of, of the better, yeah, he's one of the better aspects. Yeah. Oh yeah, I loved Roland. Of the, he's a good character and I like him and he's straightforward yeah. and, you know, Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, a straight shooter. He's a straight shooter, which I, yeah. I, I just, I just feel like Stephen King has always been better with smaller ideas, with smaller concepts, and I, I kind of feel mm-hmm. like he looked at all these epic, these authors that do these epic sagas, like you know, he looks at you know George. Well, okay, I know he started before George R. Martin, but he said he was inspired by Tolkien, like every author who ever lived was inspired by Tolkien. And he wanted mm-hmm. to do a big epic saga, and um, and I think he just—it's not his forte. It's not what he knows how to do. But specifically with with Song of Susanna, um, mm-hmm. I think that this is where I think some of his worst impulses come out. Where he has a magic system that is a—it's a very high magic system, 
and it's just it's just all over the place, you know. And I I prefer very low magic systems. Um, in yeah. Fa- in fact, the, the book I'm writing now is called The Magic of Anya. And it's yes. a very, it's, it's, even though it's called the magic of it, it's going to be a very low magic system. And what that means yes. is that magic is, is rare. It's, you know, it's not everyone is a wizard. Everyone can cast spells. It's not like Harry Potter. Harry Potter is a very high magic system. Lord right. of the Rings actually is a very low magic system because the only wizard mm-hmm. is Gandalf. Almost well, no right. one else can cast spells. Um, yeah. And the rules of magic are very, are very, they're very rigid. They're very limited to what the characters can right. do, you know? Well, yeah. And I mean, that also kind of sets your characters on a path where they can kind of have an adventure. I want them to go to the witch in the swamp to get that, you know, gross potion or whatever, or to, yeah. you know, I mean, and there's a very good example of that actually in Game of Thrones, um, when Cersei goes to get her prophecy told. Uh, And, you know, that's like, I I don't know how people parse the magic. I kind of, in Game of Thrones, say it's kind of low magic because not everybody can do it. No, I think think Game of Thrones is low magic, at least up until the part mm -hmm. that I've read and seen. It's Mm -hmm. all low magic. I think later it gets more like with the dragons and it's like, okay, dragons and they can melt castles and you're like, whoa. And then it's like, okay, maybe it becomes more high magic, but I think it, it starts off. Like, I remember my wife was watching Game of Thrones with me, and there's a scene where, like, some woman, I think it was the Red Witch, and she gives uh, birth yeah, to, like, a... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she gives birth to, like, a shadow demon. And my wife was she like... She birthed a shadow demon. Yeah, and my wife was like, yeah. what What the heck? Like, I didn't know there was magic yeah. in the show. Like, she was confused, and I'm like, yeah, this is a fantasy, honey. And I realized yeah, that, it was very scary. She didn't even yeah, know it was, it was a like fantasy, that. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean that was the thing about Game of Thrones. It's like he doesn't tell you everything. He doesn't tell you how it works. It's just there. He mentions it. There are many. You know, there's like seven spokes uh, to his, uh, you know, um, religious wheel on certain parts of the. So different representations of different gods or idols that they have that you know everybody labors under. Um, so, but wait, as far wait, wait. as I just realized that yeah. what you're saying could be applied to both. Right, because in the Dark Tower, mm-hmm. there's like what was it, like six beams that are crossing, right? Right, and and they hold up the universe mm-hmm. or something, and then the tower represents the universe or different multiverses yes. or something, and then and Ka and, and Ka's fate or whatever. I guess Ka is also Ka is he calls it another thing in the series. Ka is a oh I don't know. Is it the is it the plot? <laughs> is it just is it just Ka the is a wheel? Oh, it's a wheel. Okay, okay, Ka yeah. Ka is okay. a wheel. He does say uh-huh. that. That's, yeah. yeah, and yeah. he says all these spokes lead. Right. Why are we following? And then there's a guardian eagle. animal for each uh, beam. And one thing I like yes. is he talks about Shardik the bear and what is Shardik. Okay. Yeah, Shardik, and you know where Shardik is from. I guess Richard Adams from a Richard Adams book. Yes, from that, from one of the Richard Adams books. I didn't one I know haven't that. read yet. Like I didn't know that, yes. and I got really excited because I'm like, oh, this is a uh, a Watership Down reference, and yes, I didn't read Shardy. But but I realized, oh my god, like Stephen King's doing the same thing I'm doing because I got inspired by Richard Adams, and and what I did is I named. In the Princess of Anya, I named uh, the rabbit one of the rabbits that the girls had. I named it Hazel. Yes, which Hazel, is the main yeah. rabbit from you know from Watership Down. So I put a little you know 
Adam's homage to my book and King puts a, a Adam's I, homage yeah. to his book. So I'm glad that we're we're inspired by the same people and we like the same authors. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean his favorite book also one of his favorite books is um, Dracula. So I mean a lot of his um, vampire lore is actually based off of Bram Stoker's vampire lore. I mean Salem's Lot is his. Yeah, he mentioned you know, Salem's Lot so much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I mean, and, yeah, uh, because it was just his, yeah, it was just a classic vampire novel, and it was, <laughs> excuse me, in the same vein of storytelling as Dracula, in my yeah. opinion, it was like right up there with I Am Legend, the way it was told, um, and, but it's been a long time, I really want to reread I Am, or not I Am Legend, I've read that like so many times. I Am Legend um, is a great book, but the movie, oh my god, you know when people talk about like, everyone's so mad about Rings of Power, right? They're so mad about Rings of Power. And I'm Whatever. like, you know, it's like, oh, my God, you know, the female dwarves will have beards. You know, my life is ruined oh, no. now. And I'm like, let's just watch the show and see, <laughs> right. you know. Because for me, it's not about the details. It's about the spirit of the oh, story. Right. It's, it's the essence of the story. And right, I, you just want to enjoy it. Enjoy yeah. it, and, and as long as it kind of makes... Because, like, I'm sure like, if they ever make a movie based on Enya, as long as they keep to the spirit of what's happening, I'm going to be fine. You know, so if they, you know, if they make... Like, let's say they make Thalana, you know, it's a brown hair, she has blonde hair or something. Or it's a green eyes, she mm-hmm. has blue eyes. Well, of course, I'd prefer it to be accurate, but I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, you guys clearly, you know, don't care about oh, my yeah. book. Because you changed her eye color. I'm not going to care. But what I do care about, I Am Legend, the movie had nothing, <laughs> nothing to do with it. It's like they missed the whole point and of just, the book. The and whole just to be clear, we're talking about the Will Smith abomination. Yeah, the Will right? Smith. Yeah, I don't know. Is there another movie? Version? Yeah. There is? Oh, okay. Because that that was an abomination. I mean, I, not, it was like they're taking the heart of that. What that? What is the meaning of I Am Legend? And they just said... We're just gonna we're we're just gonna throw that out the window and just and just create. I don't yeah, know what they, the hell they were thinking. It was it was awful. It was awful. Right, they gutted the whole story, and like the people who had actually read the source material were very upset about it. And I did not go to the theater to see it because I had watched the um, <laughs> trailers, and I was like, uh-huh. "What the fuck?" <laughs> and like I was just was like horrified you know i had read the story so many times i had convinced my husband to read it you know before yeah, the film yeah came but you, know, you gotta get to the, the ending like, oh. you gotta get to the ending to realize to, to understand how, the whole point of how, the story how yeah. badly they 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 just screwed up that the whole point of the book which is the end of the book was the point of the book which is crazy so um yeah. i don't know i i they feel, really yeah. dropped the bomb on that one yeah, I, I feel like we're going on a lot of tangents today. But, well, what I wanted to say about Song of Suzanne, the reason I brought up magic systems is because I feel like too often, you know, they're kind of hopping around different dimensions and, and realities and time periods. Mm-hmm. And and the way they do this, it's like there's several different ways. Like you can go Todash, which is like your your spirit or your your soul you 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 kind of enter like a weird dream state and then in this dream state you're able to like see like a like a version of reality but it's kind of like shadowy and it's between 
the, mm. the actual realities. And, but if you really want to travel to a different reality, you have to go through like a magic door, but not all the doors work the same. And it's like so confusing. And and it's just, it's all over the place. And, and then, But then they can communicate like telepathically with each other. And it's just... It's just, it's just, it's all over the place, and and especially in this one, like more so in this one because Susanna has like, you know, she's pregnant with, but then there's another personality inside of her, which is Mia, but then it turns out that Mia is actually another being. She's kind of some kind of like succubus-like demon, which was having sex with people and killing them, but... She would just create it out of some cosmic soup or something. I don't know. It, it's just so weird. And then and and Mia wanted a baby because she was having sex with men and killing them. But then she wanted a baby. And then so then like the vampires or whatever told her, okay, like you can have a baby, but you gotta possess this woman. And then you can have a. It's it's so weird. And then and then in Susanna's mind, like she's talking to herself all the time, and she's like creating like imaginary <laughs> like an imaginary facility where she can control her emotions and her pregnancies and it's just, it's all over the place and and at the same time like they're jumping between different worlds and time periods and it's just it's just yeah. it's all over the place i mean it's yeah. all over the place you know that that yeah that that book kind of like set me at the time i thought oh i don't you know, uh, this is difficult um, for me to understand, but um, and I don't think he really got the concept across uh, quite as well as like Clyde Barker does this too. Uh -huh. Like he puts his characters into situations where they're able to move between reality, yeah. and then there's this um, you know secondary like gateway world uh -huh. that is like the manifestation of all the people in the world. Uh, dreaming okay. everybody is in this thing called the dream sea okay. and it's just like this really strange place like this net where all these consciousness you know they just come together and right. they just dream together and that's what allows uh you know people to be able to move through these dimensions and mm -hmm. if you can figure out how to get through the dream sea you can go on to other worlds and clive barker's like like, I don't want to say his books, even though sometimes his universes are also connected. It's a much more subtle connection, I think, than Stephen King does. When your whole story is like a dream, you know, you get a sense that nothing really matters. You know, it's it's hard to, you know, it's hard to build tension and be like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Because you, right. you realize that at any moment he could just pull out any crazy thing. Well, you know. She went blue to do, and, and and that got her out of it. Oh, okay, really? Well, I didn't know that was an option. It was just, it was just it's like when you have a very high magic system, and you have a character that can just pull a spell you didn't know out of their butt, mm -hmm. and that and and solve whatever problem they have. You know? Um. Yeah. And I. But I, I think like by that. the time you're finished with the series, you're going to find that that's not going to be the case. Well, I hope so. But then at the same time, mm -hmm. I. I don't want to have to wait till the very end to be like, oh, okay, now I understand why 
there are all these coincidences and all these contrivances and all these yeah, things. Just made yeah, so you just easy. gotta wait. You're just gonna have to I wait. Know, but that, what I'm saying wait. is that an author shouldn't have to wait, right? Like, I, well, yeah. I mean, in some cases, maybe I can understand the way he, the way he played it, the way he did. But it was just like so much of the stuff in here was just like an unnecessary. Like, if you'll excuse me, it was like giving oneself a blowjob. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like, I was kind of concerned for him for a little bit. No, yeah, but Stephen you King have to be really, concerned for Stephen King in some he, cases. <laughs> he really just let himself go. And, like, you have to yeah. set the ground yeah. rules from the beginning. These are the limits of what my character can do. These are the tools they have. And then let's see what how they can get out of their, their predicaments or situations with what I've established <laughs> from the beginning. But oddly enough, I was really, really fascinated and what I, I enjoyed immensely was maybe because I've never seen this before is uh, Stephen King makes himself a character in his own <laughs> book which is which is really weird and I'm like okay and this yeah, that like, took me out of it yeah that yeah well maybe because I'm really like I really enjoy I don't know, reading about writers and how writers think and how writers operate, you know? <laughs> and so I so I enjoyed that. And it kind of made a little... I kind of compared it to like, okay, the, this is like the never-ending story with the exception of in the never-ending story, like Fantasia was created by the dreams and the imagination of people. And so right. I felt like, okay, what, what we're having here is Stephen King has created the world that he's writing about you know right. and so it so it made me think well maybe all writers not just him but all writers when they create stories or when they imagine something they're creating another world somewhere in another reality i thought that's an interesting concept right. or, or yeah, the, yeah yeah or the mm -hmm. other th thought is he says well i don't really the story doesn't really come from my head he says it comes from my navel right it comes from like his gut you know and so, yeah. and he and he kind of described it almost like he was kind of channeling the story. And so then I thought maybe right. he didn't actually create Roland and Eddie. Maybe, um, maybe, you know, Roland existed, and their story kind of filtered through, you know, into his mind, and and so right. he just kind of recorded what he discovered. Like it was a found story. Like he discovered, he discovered the Dark Tower. He didn't create the Dark Tower. You know. And that's right, another way of, like, of looking at it. So both ways I thought were, was very interesting. Um, yeah, did the artist manifest the, the art or did the art manifest the artist? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah. I, I like that. Um, and, you know, but then what I didn't like, and again, I think this is his, he says he doesn't like to plan things out, right? He doesn't like to plot because when I plot, my story is it goes bad. And it, it feels stale and it feels, you know, stiff and whatever. And I feel like, okay, I understand, <laughs> like, he likes to be, he's called, you know, pantser. Like, he writes by the seat of his pants. That's fine, but when you have something that is, like, this epic, a million and a half words, because uh, I looked it up, it's a million and a half words, saga, okay, you got to plan, you got you to gotta have a, a little bit of planning here, you know? I think so. Because when they, met, when they meet Stephen King, that you know, Roland says, well, who are you, who are you? And he says... I'm Gan, right? Which I guess is like, I don't know, close to God. But he's like, I'm Gan. And I'm like, you never mentioned Gan before, right? He mentioned a turtle, <laughs> right. the godlike turtle. 
you know, and he appears in the right. he mentioned these other things. But but you know, Gan, where does he show up? And and then after like he invents this idea of Gan, you see like other characters start using that term. You know, Jake starts right. talking about Gan. I'm like, well, why? You know, that should have been something that should have been earlier in the series. We we talk about Gan, and then we discover, oh, Gan is Stephen King. You know, he's the god of the universe or whatever. But it just like it just you can tell that he's making this stuff up as he goes along, and that's bad form, Stephen King. I don't think people like that. You know? No, I don't think they. I don't think they did like it. I think that like he went more into his ego instead of like like I think the difference between him and Clive Barker's mm-hmm. method of telling a story is that like Clive Barker uh, concentrates on the external mythologies that might tie into this. Um, and where Stephen King is more like, well, here's, you know, everything, you know, all the stories I've ever, like, adored as a person, mm-hmm. and, you know, that I wrote a tribute to, maybe, or had incredible success with, and so now I have to, like, put them all together to, like, show you very clumsily how I write my books and how they fit yeah um yeah. into all of these like spokes or you know right, these right. paths and it's yeah it can get really jumbled and if you're not a seasoned um stephen king you know um reader or if you're not familiar with a lot of different types of literature it, like that might be lost on you <laughs> i find it weird that like michael and uh, an author who I adore, and I think he's a super <coughs> genius. He's able to express these ideas, yeah, with much with a much greater economy. And he's basically uh-huh. saying, "Listen, all all writers, all storytelling, it's all part of Fantasia, right?" Like Michael Anders are going to be like, "I'm I created fantasy." No, it's all writers create fantasy, and I'm not sure if that's what Stephen King is saying or not. You know. Is is well, King the sole, you know, proprietor of, of, of the multiverse? Or or is he just one of many authors? I mean that's what I'm trying like I'm not sure what, what you know Right what he's saying. Yeah, here. I can see I can definitely see how that would be an issue for some readers. Um, but I know from what I have read on what he said by you know, about the series himself um he was like well it was more a love letter to the stories that i grew up and was influenced by i adored the end of the the very end of the book which almost looks like like author's notes but i think it's actually part of the story but it's made to look like author's (laughs) notes i really love that and it's just Mm -hmm. stephen king talking about the process of like how he it's almost like a continuation of his on writing series but I think mm-hmm. he throws in some fantasy elements because he's like, you know, people are trying to stop me from writing the Dark Tower. I feel like evil forces are, are preventing me from finishing this. <laughs> and I thought that was cool. Yeah. And what I really loved about it is I realized that, according to him, and I think this is true, I think he mixes like real life with, 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 his, with his fantasy, um, mm-hmm. is he says oh, that he had written... The Gunslinger before he wrote Carrie, but he thought he wasn't good enough and he kind of put it away. And I really love that because I think that's something that a lot of readers don't realize is that writers stand on a mountain of crap stories that they wrote before they got to the book that was that was really good and everybody loved. 
But right. I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know? Um, right, sure. Like, like J.K. Rowling didn't just wake up one day having never written the story in her life and said, and just wrote Harry Potter. That's not what happened. She probably right. has a drawer, like I have this really big drawer full of hundreds of stories that no one will probably ever see because they're garbage. And right. that's what I wish more people would realize. And I think that's what King had before he had Carrie. He had this epic story that he was really excited to tell. And I think he dusted it off and said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to massage this, this thing into... <laughs> so I, I think it was like he, just, he was in love with his gunslinger concept. He was in love with his Dark Tower concept. I think he just desperately wanted to yeah. make it work. And I think he put all of his writing talents into it. But the problem is that the core concept was kind of weak. And so I just right. I, I just feel like that's the problem is is sometimes you just gotta just throw it all away and and it's hard to do that, you know. So yeah, I don't I mean, know. Yeah, and you're coming up on the last book now. I mean you said you were reading it now, yes, and aren't I'm you? Eighty pages into it. So <laughs> Okay, so yeah, I'll be interested in knowing what you think of this last book and how okay. it ends and then just like <laughs> discussing it overall because there's just some like there's some really good stuff going on in the the last book that I really liked, but yeah. then there were some odd things going on that I was like, at the end, I was just like, I can't believe I got suckered, but it was still good. You know, I still had a good time with it. Like overall, I don't have any regrets and it's just like one of my favorite book series to talk to people about, mm-hmm. I guess just because it's like complex and it has like all these problems, but it has all this good stuff going for it. You know, and it, yeah. it has the added bonus that Stephen King is like, oh, this is my, you know, um, magnum opus. what's the word? This yeah, in my magnum, magnum opus, opus, and you're just like, oh. It makes me feel a little more confident about, you know, if I want to do something crazy in my books, I don't have to worry because mm-hmm. I can always point to the Dark Tower and be like, well, he did that, and that was insane. <laughs> you know, you let Stephen King get away with it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, well, like in the in my okay. So, a little spoiler for the Feral Girl. Um, there's a scene in it, which I'm sure you're aware of, where Thalana gets really, really high. You know, she she uh, she smokes <laughs> yeah. a, a flower and she gets really high, and this enables her her mind and her spirit to quantum leap into. If you remember that show, the quantum leap. It's a great show. Right. And so she quantum leaps herself back into the past, into the body of one of her ancestors, who then talks to a a little orb, which creates a hologram uh, of a guy who is kind of the mayor of the town, of the city that she's in, of the ruins that she's in, who tells her basically the history of how the world ended. And... While I was writing it, I'm like, man, this is really crazy. Maybe, you know, maybe this is going to be too far and it's going to alienate readers. But then, no, when I read, but then when I read Song of Suzanne, I'm like, wow, like what I wrote was really simple, you know, compared to compared to what, you know, Susanna had to deals with. So, uh, <laughs> so you know. yeah, I mean, that was really traumatic. You know, I was reading this and I'm like, OK, well, I mean, it's like not going to have children anyway, but now I'm really not going to have children and I mean it was just like a nightmare situation I don't think people understand like how dangerous childbirth is for women when she goes into that place to give birth that to me was it was like a dream right it was like a dream where nothing makes sense and if you kind of read it as this is like 
surreal. This isn't fantasy anymore. This is just like a surrealistic dream story. It works that way, right? Because you have like these weird like roach-like creatures that are like intelligent and they're they're like vampire roaches. And then there's these people, they're eating a baby, like they're having a big banquet, they dress up in fine clothing, and they're eating a baby like on a, like on a rotisserie, right? And then the people have like faces, but like underneath their faces, they have like rat faces, and some of them mm-hmm. have bird faces, and I'm like, yeah. this is all insane. And I'm like, none of this was built up. None of this was set up ahead of time. But well, if you, you know, but if you go into it as as this is just, I had a weird dream. I was pregnant, and I went to the hospital, and the nurse was a bird head, and I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool, right? But as well, fantasy, I'm like, th- what the fuck? This isn't fantasy anymore. What is this? This is insane. Well, so I don't okay, know. I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, Stephen King has a good way of symbolizing these things that women go through that men don't understand. And I mean, anytime you're going through something like, you know, um, gestating um, a baby and childbirth and, uh, you know, pain does all sorts of things to you. I mean, it can drive you out of your mind. It can make things surreal. Absolutely. Like that. You don't have to be like, you can be going through these traumatic things and, you know, your mind is going to change those details. So you don't, you know, I mean, for better or for worse, you know, I mean, it's going to imprint upon you like your terror and, you know, and I mean, this woman knows she's been carrying some strange. Like following your train of thought, if you're saying like, yeah, this is like a metaphor about how traumatizing and, and strange it is to, to be in the delivery room and to be you know having a baby mm-hmm. and hallucinating and, and there's all this weird stuff going on around you. I like that interpretation. Yeah, I mean, women are just like, you know, you can't necessarily trust anybody after you've had your baby. You immediately want to look at your child and make sure your child is fine, you know, and all those hormones yeah. and endorphins and, you know, if whatever you, meds yeah, they've given you. you and like Right, if you interpret it that way as this kind of running metaphor, then... A hundred percent, you know, thumbs up. I like it, but if you, but if you're saying this is some kind of fantasy, then it, it, it no, it doesn't work as as a fantasy. And that's, I think, a lot of people get, you know, tied up with Stephen King about that. They're always like, well, why is he torturing the woman? And it's always something the woman's going through that is so yeah. traumatic. And you know, once you have that in the back of your mind, you're like, well, goddamn it, Stephen King. But you know, it really wasn't any different than he had dragged like some of the other. No, I mean, well, no, he's he's create he's creating drama, and so yeah, I think there's nothing so. wrong with that, and he's doing right. it in and a he different knows. way, and it's not a rape scene, so it's not a cliche, you know. So that's <laughs> well, I good. mean, he knows that these are the things that are going to freak you know certain readers out, right? And all of that is good. Like I agree with everything you're saying. All I'm saying is that if you're looking at it as traditional fantasy, it just isn't. Because you'd have to ask, well, who are these bird-headed people? Is this a race of bird-headed people? Are they mutated people that turn into birds? Who, like, where do they come from? Why are they there? Right. Like, what is their organization? I mean, that's what traditional <laughs> what fantasy is. Everything needs to be explained and have a logic to it, you know? But if you're reading uh-huh. something like Alice in Wonderland, the whole point is 
It's not supposed to make sense. And this is what Stephen yeah. King, that's the angle he seems to be making is this is a nightmare and it's not supposed to make sense. It doesn't make sense. And that's yeah. fine. Does it work, though, as an epic million and a half page story to have a bunch of things happening that don't make sense? That's where I, you kind of have a problem. Like, let me put it another sure. way. Would Alice in Wonderland have been good if it was, a, if it was you know, a thousand pages long, you know? Maybe oh god, not. no! I mean, I you love Alice in Wonderland. That's one of those books that I like pick up every few years. I I've like read it, it so many times. I like yeah. it too, but but I don't know if I want you know the epic saga uh-huh. of Alice in Wonderland. That's what I'm saying, you know. And that's no. I think that's kind of I think that was kind of the problem that the Disney adaptation had, you know, with uh, absolutely Johnny Depp. And I really enjoyed. Yeah, I enjoyed the first one, but then the second one, I was like, oh, this is I pretty just boring. felt and that they just were just trying to make sense of Alice in Wonderland, and as soon as you try to make sense of Alice in Wonderland, then you're yeah. missing you're missing the point. You're it's missing not the supposed point of it. to make yeah, sense, you know. So that's kind of how I feel. But, but then again, Stephen King is like, sometimes it's more fantasy, sometimes it's more surreal. And I, I just feel like he's kind of all over the place in, in terms of tone and style. And uh, I don't know, <laughs> maybe this sounds overly critical, but for some reason I, I do enjoy it though. And, and it's, it's, it's making me want to read it more. But again, I, I, I have a love-hate relationship with it, which I think you do too. You know, so uh, yeah, and that's yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you pretty much yeah. I mean, I think we really agree on this series, and I mean, that's exactly how I feel about it too. It just <laughs> around every other page, I was like, "Huh, where is this? Um, where is this going?" And you can just kind of see it opening up and clearing as you're going through the books, and then you're like. Did I really have to read this much to get to this, though? He he wrote in on writing that he literally writes every single day. So and uh-huh. it, and it makes sense to me that if he writes every like if he was writing the Dark Tower every single day, I think that this is why it's so long because I think he there's a lot of filler chapters where nothing really happens, but he had to he had to get in his daily quota of words. You know, so so it's like he's kind of like putting filler chapters as he's waiting for the the good stuff for him to come up with what's going to happen that actually has relevance. So I think a lot well, of yeah. it can be taken out. Like a lot of the stuff could just be taken out of the, and it would make perfect sense. You know, so yeah. we will be back next time with yeah uh, the final Dark Tower series. So thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, that should be pretty good. I can't wait.